building a foundation for tomorrow's naval aviators. The Bell 407GXI is the next-generation advanced helicopter training system, offering exceptional value and proven reliability. See the Bell 407GXI in action at bell.co slash navy407. Welcome to the Proceedings Podcast. I'm Ward Carroll, the Naval Institute's Director of Outreach and Marketing. Joining me are two co-hosts today, Bill Hamlet, the Editor-in-Chief of Proceedings Magazine, and Bill Bray, the Deputy Editor-in-Chief of Proceedings Magazine. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Hey, Ward. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, Commissioning Week. Happy Blue Angel Day. Blue Angel Day. We had our practice day yesterday. Beautiful weather yesterday. Gorgeous day today, too. And uh, yeah, I couldn't ask for for, uh, probably a better better. Uh, weather for not well so far let's show. not jinx it but right now yeah. we have high cloud cover you'll be able to do the high show yesterday they did the full up high show for the first time in three years yeah the previous two years uh, they were unable to do the high show so good times always uh, fantastic to see the blue angels and uh, we'll see them again today so we had teased out that we might have a blue on the show one of the blue angel pilots and that did not happen turns out the blue angels were very busy <laughs> during commissioning week um, on Monday, they had to play a golf tournament across the way yep. uh, for the Blue Angels Foundation. And, and, you know, as they're going back and forth from Andrews and doing the, you know, practice or the, even the pre-practice and the practice show and so forth. So we totally get it. We actually hope to talk to a former Blue Angel who's now on the Naval Academy staff, who is very involved in the transition to the Super Hornet. So that'll be a cool conversation that perhaps we can have. Um, in the future, I can also announce to the audience that a forthcoming interview, and we secured this during the Herndon climb, which we'll talk about in a second, the controversy surrounding the Herndon climb. That's it's another time. sports controversy that, yes. like this year, like the Kentucky Derby and other controversies that we seem to have had this spring. But Admiral Ted Carter has uh, agreed to be on the proceedings podcast probably in the, the July timeframe. So that'll be very cool to talk about his legacy uh, as he looks back on, you know, decades of flying Tomcats and uh, and being the superintendent of the Naval Academy for five years. So uh, look forward to that, uh, uh, listeners of the podcast. Is that the longest tenure of a superintendent? Yes, I bl- if you, if you don't time. count Admiral Larson coming back a second time. Ah, good point. Right. Yep. So his cumulative, I think, equals six or seven years. Yeah. Um, I think it's the longest Continuous. I, time, I don't right? know. I'm guessing. Yeah. Because I don't know what happened in the early days. Yeah. Jo- what, you know, how long was John Warden's? Good question. Right. We'll have to ask uh, you know? Dennis or. Uh, yeah. Dennis you know, Clift, of- <laughs> our, our sage, would know these things. Um, okay. So talking about the Blue Angels that we can talk about a little bit since it is Blue Angels Day, it's appropriate that we might talk about the Blue Angels. So I believe I've mentioned on the show before that I had an opportunity to fly with the Blue Angels in 2012. Um, I got to know the boss, uh, Captain Greg McWhorter, at that uh, in the the year prior. He came out to San Francisco when I was working at Military.com and and briefed the civilians during San Francisco Fleet Week, uh, which was very cool. And so we were chatting. I was like, "Hey, um, Stiffy is his call sign." Um, I, I was like, "Hey, hey, Stiffy, can um, any chance I can fly with like in the show? Uh, because I, I don't think a Number seven by itself ride would be of any value. I mean, you know, I have Buku hours and tactical jets as a Tomcat Rio. Um, so 
I think the only thing that would be of any value to me uh, would be to actually fly on the show. And he's like, I agree. Um, and obviously the chop chain uh, is, is substantial to fly in the show itself, not to mention to just get to fly with on, in number seven. Um, and so- What year was that? This was 2012. Okay. Well, actually 2011 is where the conversation happened. Um, and then I ultimately, long story short, uh, got approval through the chief of Naval Air Training who owns the Blue Angels, um, a, a one star named Bill Sizemore, who it happens I went through the RAG with and was uh, on the, the RAG staff with years later. Um, size, great guy. I've known him for a long time. So he said, sure, you know, he can hack it since he has much jet time. And he's now also, it's a value because he's the editor of military.com. So whatever he writes about, it's going to reach a wide audience. You know, got my medical qual, which, you know, it's like, okay, he won't die during the show, basically. And uh, wound up flying with them at Oceana mid-September in 2012. So what what is as cool as the show is the brief and the debrief. Um, so it, for reference, there's a, uh, a documentary called Around the World with the Blue Angels, um, which I forget what year that they're talking about, but a classmate of mine, John Foley, is one of, he's either leader opposing solo, so he's very much featured in that one, but it shows you the brief process and the debrief process. So in the brief, it's super intense, even by fleet standards, because you know we've, I know you, you guys have sat in a number of briefs as the intel officer. Um, and sometimes they're detailed if it's a strike brief, but sometimes they're kind of cursory. So if you're doing Operation Southern Watch, you know, the, the infinite sortie <laughs> during Operation Southern Watch is like, remember what we did yesterday? Let's yeah. just do that again. Yeah. Right? Groundhog yeah. Day. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it's hard to get in the weeds. Yeah. These guys fly the same event hundreds of times during the season, not to mention the practice season at El Centro, but they brief it like they're flying it for the first time, every time, right? So... Um, it's totally intense, plugged in, zen, right? And they, they actually go through, they do it, they chair fly it. And what chair fly is, you know, they'll be talking and suddenly they'll lower their chairs back away from the conference table and they all kind of close their eyes and they go into this meditative state, like they're visualizing flying the entire event. Wow. And the boss is talking and he does this again. If you listen to, um, that documentary, around the world with the Blue Angels, you can hear this incantation that he does. It's very cool. It's like, up on the power, here we go, little pull, smoke on. You know, and he just talks like that the whole time. So they're all sitting there, and you can see their hands, and they're moving like as if they were flying the airplane. And I'm looking around like, wow, you know, this is like church. Do not sneeze or go, hey, what are you guys doing? You know, I mean... And so they would do that, and suddenly they'd stop, and they'd lift their chairs up, and they're back at the table. And they'd do the weather brief and so forth and so on. So after that main brief, the Fat Albert pilots would split off, and the PAO would leave, and the weather guy would leave, and the maintenance officer leaves. And so now it's just, you know, the two lead and opposing solo are talking, then the diamond's talking, and then you break off. And I was just talking to my pilot, who was Blue Angel number four, uh, Major Brett Stevens. Was so you're, the guy. you flew in the slot. I flew in the slot, Yeah. Um, and so he breaks out a Google Earth depiction of NAS Oceana. And he's going, he's showing me, and we go through the entire show and his ground references, right? So yesterday before the practice show, we all noticed that, you know, Blue Angels are flying over. Sort of it looked kind of random. Like here comes one guy and then there's a two plane um, and so forth and so on. So that is them hitting their marks. And it's not just the boss, 
uh, has to hit the marks. It is most important in the diamond that he hits the marks. But ev- the lead and opposing solo have to hit their marks on altitude, on airspeed, on time in order to cross at the center, right? And in order to deconflict, in order to have this the whole uh, uh, choreography work. And so it's it was really fascinating to watch what or have Major Stevens show me Okay, we're going to look for this mark. You know, it's on the at, at Virginia Beach. We're going to have this hotel on the on the, the the shoreline, and and at this time, and we'll be at this airspeed so we can cross immediately. And so, if we're early, I'll say so, and you'll hear me go. You know, force here and so forth and so on. So this whole choreography is happening, um, both planned and in real time, uh, so they can adjust. So in fact, these these maneuvers really work uh, with some precision. Um, so that was a huge eye opener to me. So I got into the airplane before, you know, the, any any of the other guys so they could do the march thing and, and salute the plane captains and that very cool thing. So here we don't see that because they're based at Andrews. Right. You know, so we just see them for the initial pass. We don't watch the yeah. get into the airplane thing. But they do, away, do that. Right. they do that at Andrews. Wow. Yeah. Just because that's there. Everything's by the numbers. No deviation. Right. So I was already in the backseat. I chatted up the plane captain who's a Marine a sergeant. Cool guy. Um, and, uh, you know, look like a surfer, tanned, blonde, blonde hair. Um, and so we get in and, and Brent is just like, ready? I'm like, sure. And he's like, can it be coming? Boom. I was already strapped in and we go and we're waving to the crowd, you know, and thumbs up and all that kind of thing. And so you just get going. Um, and so it was really amazing. I have some cool iPhone video that's still on my iPhone, um, that I bore people with every time we see the Blue Angels. I'm like, here, you know, I flew in Blue Angel number four, and here's the, you know, this one pass, the echelon pass, and and how close they are, <clears throat> you know. So literally, like, well, well, how far do you think they are apart? Like twenty feet? No, like three feet. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's really the wingtip is like right here. I'm in the slot, and that wingtip is like there. And and Brent said, this looks like it close is close because it is. <laughs> that was what he said as we're flying. Because this will look like it's close because it is. <clears throat> but um so flew the event fantastic um you know uh, actually I did gray out at one point um so the the formation flying in the diamond <clears throat> maybe 3G's very smooth <clears throat> like a roller coaster sort of thing once you start doing those break up like the fleur de lis and the the bomb bursts and all that sort of stuff G is coming on and you got to work your ass off 5 or 6 or no probably 7 plus wow. uh, 7 and a half um, some of those combat moves with a full burner, you know, um, rendezvous were intense because you break up and then you get back together. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I've seen some shit hot fleet rendezvous. Um, this is on steroids, you know, just quickly get aboard um, and just boom right there. Very impressive because it looks like you're about to have a midair and you just boom right there. It was fantastic. Uh, it was a blast. Um, and so you know, landed and got out and I was a sweaty mess. Um, and you uh, flew in a G suit, but the pilots no, don't, right? No G suit oh, for nope. me. No even, G even suit for, for Ward. Wow. No, no. <laughs> and so that was the first time I'd flown a tactical jet for some years, right? I mean, my last Tomcat sortie was in 1998 because my last four years were spent here on the faculty. Um, I flew a Cessna, but I never flew a jet. And so fast forward 14 years, right? And now I'm flying with the Blue Angels. Um, and so, no. Now I, you know, have good core strength workout. You know, I'm, 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 you know, hey, in, you're, in fairly good. You're a yoga master. I'm a yoga yeah, master, yeah. right? And and so, um, in spite of my current back situation, but uh, I was healthy at that time. Um, so, but still, plus I'm not on the controls, right? And right. so I don't know when the G's coming on and when it's coming off, 
right? So he'd say, okay, here we go, hit it, really work hard. And so you're doing the hook maneuver and you're like, you know, tightening up your, your calves and trying not to gray out. But at one point it was like night, night, you know? And so <laughs> I did that. You've seen the like centrifuge things where you kind of do the funky check and then you're, but I just remember coming to and like going, I'm in a jet. <laughs> you're like, oh yeah, I'm playing with the Blue Angels. How did this happen? Yeah. And so you hear him go, my call sign's Mooch. He's like, Mooch, how you doing? I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. And that's how he gets you back. Yeah. Right. And, and uh, I said, well, you saw right away. He goes, yeah, you know, we kind of look for that. Um, so, um, and then he went on the, the, the squadron freak. He's like, mission accomplished. Like, okay. Yeah. You know, I was like, I'm going to put you out, you know, one way or another. So, um, you know, it was a, a incredible time. So, you know, get back to the flight line, handshakes, high fives, photos, walk back for the debrief. So as amazing as the brief was, the debrief was incredible. So it's kind of like, um, a, I could, the, only, the analogy I would use is a sports, like a football team looking at tape, right? So everything's videotaped and they have a, each of them has a coach's clicker, right? So the thing that's amazing, and this is the no ego part of the Blue Angels, right? So we've all known guys who are on the Blue Angels and we knew guys who tried to be on the Blue Angels who didn't make it and that was a mystery to us. Right. I mean, I had a bunch of squadron mates who would rush the Blue Angels and ultimately didn't get selected. You're like, well, you're a fantastic stick. You get the, you got a good look. What happened? Well, there's a subjective side um, where the fit has got to be great because you're living in very close quarters and you got to be good in terms of the public facing. Basically, you can have no ego. And that's the part that I saw in the debrief, because what happens is they go around the table and first they start by saying, happy to be here, boss. Right. That's the first thing, um, which is like, I'm grateful that I'm on the Blue Angels. So happy to be here, boss. Um, and here's my alibis. And they'd start to point out everything they did wrong. And they'd use the coach's clicker. My roll rate in this one, you know, echelon barrel roll pass was slow. You can see I'm lagging, you know, this guy and that sort of thing. So they go through it infant item. The debrief lasted two hours, right? And this is the so, 133rd yeah. time they'd done that routine. 40, right? 45 minute show. Yeah. And the pre-brief is an hour. An hour and a half. Hour and a half. Yeah. 45 minute show. And then the debrief is two hours. Yes. Wow. Yes. Um, and, and then it's, let's go to the club and uh, socialize with the Bubba's. Um, and so that was very cool. I got to go there like, what are you doing here? Well, I flew with the Blue Angels, you know, uh, at Oceana, which is, you know, my old haunt. And uh, so that was a blast. Um, and so it was just, uh, you know, an incredible gift day. It was a bucket list day in spite of all my tactical jet hours. I mean, I've, I've had intense jet hops, but nothing like this. And I think it's a study in corporate culture as much as it is about how awesome it is to be flying with the Blue Angels. Again, the attention to detail, the no ego, the everybody do your job kind of thing. I mean, you know, we all give them grief as fleet guys for the tight flight suits and the aren't you cool thing. And, you know, if you've met a guy who is on the blues, suddenly he's not coking and smoking like he might have been in a squadron scenario. You know, you'll see him at the show. You're like, hey, you know, smoke, it's smooch. And they're like, hey, good good to see you. And then, it, you know, they move on to the kids and they're signing autographs. Yeah, like, yeah. Hey, man, he cold blew me off, man. Yeah. He's, he's too cool for school. So, so Ward, uh, for the listeners and for, for me, actually, uh, f once you're selected as a fleet pilot to be a Blue Angel, what's the process and how long does it take before they're flying actual shows um, for real? And how long is their tour generally uh, as a Blue Angel? Um, so every year, <clears throat> there are three new Blue Angel pilots. Um, so three leave, three, three arrive. So the process is you got to have at least 500. No, let me get this right. 
is it, I think it's 1,500 tactical jet hours. Um, there's no trap requirement, but generally you have, you know, probably 500 arrested landings. You've done a fleet tour. Um, so back in the day, you know, you could be a Tomcat, Hornet, S3, Prowler, A6 pilot, right? These days, you're either a Super Hornet or a Growler pilot. Um, and so that's the pool now. Um, so you got to rush them, and that takes probably a year. You got to follow them around, um, and uh, and go to the air show sites and let them get to know you. And then you have to be selected. And so there's both the regular detailing process, like does it work in your career path, and then there's the subjective, you know, inner sanctum, thumbs up, thumbs down process. So when you get the nod, um, you'll get there in time for the end of the season, which is late fall. You'll go to Pensacola. You'll start to fly with them in Pensacola, and then you go to El Centro. They're out in El Centro for three months before they start the show season, uh, living without their families, totally focused on getting the show right. So nominally, your tour is two or three years long. Um, and there have been some exceptions where there's an unplanned loss on the team, so one of the old guys from the previous year will come back, and that includes Captain Greg McWhorter. He had been the CEO, the boss before, um, and he was brought back because the boss that year um, uh, it didn't uh, didn't pan out. You know, was, uh, he, the way he explained it to me is the boss of the Blue Angels, you got to keep eight buckets full at any given time. And and this guy was having trouble keeping those eight buckets full. Um, so Greg McWhorter came back to do uh, an, another season. Um, but that's the exception. You know, if you look at the history of the Blue Angels, uh, it was pretty interesting in, in CEOs or other pilots who haven't done a full tour because either they uh, couldn't lead the team in myriad ways or they were having trouble with the formation flying because it's, you know, it's kind of above fleet standard. You know, we pride ourselves as naval aviators of how close we fly, fly in parade formation. But when you look at what the Blue Angels do for 45 minutes, it's and they're working the whole time. I know it looks very graceful from the ground, but they are working very hard the yeah. whole time, you know, to stay tucked in like that. Um, and so that's really cool. Um, so that's kind of it, right? Uh, two or three year tour and then you know in the old days that used to be where they'd go to the airlines or some other corporate thing because they'd make a bunch of contacts when they were you know playing golf with rich guys and all so but so these days you go back to the fleet you know and i think the track record of late has been really great in terms of you know blue angels is nice checking the block good for you and now you're ready to go be cag ship co you know uh, any number of, of fleet jobs. So the retention is, is way up from the old days. And for JOs, they're headed into a department head tour? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, again, if you've served with somebody who's fresh from the Blue Angels, they generally have a great attitude. And if you've served with somebody who's going to the Blue Angels, um, you know that they're the best of the best. You know, I mean, this is right up there with Top Gun and any other choice orders you can get. Um, so max props to the guys who are flying with the Blue Angels, both professionally and airmanship-wise you know, no, nothing but the best. And, and, uh, you know, so it's fun to watch them, you know, as an old retired guy. Now my heart soars every time I see them and I've been watching them since they flew F 11s. Uh, the first time I saw them was at MCAS El Toro when my dad was a captain and I was three years old and they were flying F 11s. So, you know, the whole time I was at the Academy, they were wow. flying a fours. And then when I was instructor at, at VT 86 and I saw the boss, Gil Rude, uh, who I worked with when he was the Boeing rep when I was working V-22. He was here yesterday, so caught up with him. He was the guy who transitioned him from A-4s to F-18s. Um, and so, and I also was the aide for the guy that transitioned him from F-4s to A-4s, uh, Admiral Les, Tony Les. So, you know, 
Anybody who's been around the Navy, especially naval aviation and tactical naval aviation, carrier-based aviation, has a special place in their heart for the Blue Angels. So, you know, again, fantastic day. So one more topic about the Blue Angels, and we've talked about this before on the show, is the transition to the Super Hornet. So this is happening in time for the 2021 season. That'll be the first year that they use Super Hornets. In the meantime, they're transitioning, and that involves a huge training piece, as you can imagine. There's also a huge technical piece. So what you may not understand about the difference between a Fleet Hornet and a Blue Angel Hornet are basically three things. One is the smoke canister. So a Fleet Hornet does not have smoke, unless something bad has happened. Right? <laughs> um, and... Uh, and that's the other thing. In, in Top Gun, when you see that, the smoke trails, that's the dumps are on. That's fuel. That's not smoke. Um, and they have a couple of views where you see it from the front and it has a smoke plume. That's the dumps are on, which is very stupid if you're going into a dogfight. You don't want to get rid of gas like that. Um, so the smoke canister, where it is in the F-18 currently is the nose of the airplane. So they take the radar out and they put in this smoke canister. So it runs from the, the, the nose all the way to the tail. And so that, that, the systems of that and the engineering of that is, is, is a challenge. <clears throat> so the Super Hornet is longer than the regular Hornet. So they couldn't just automatically take that smoke canister from the legacy Hornet and put it in the Super Hornet and say, okay, I'm now, we're good. Oh, that's the first thing. The second thing is they fly, and this is to keep them smooth, with seven pounds of forward stick pressure at all times. And so that's actually a bungee that goes from the bulkhead in front of the stick to the stick. So it's just like like you would use on your car to lash something down. It's a bungee that has seven pounds mm. of forward pressure on the stick at all times. <clears throat> so obviously you have to have good bicep strength for one thing. And that's why they work out all the time. Um, plus core strength to uh, for the G tolerance. So in the Superhorn, it turns out the real estate wasn't there on the bulkhead. Again, it's not easy to figure out, okay, how are we going to, you know, you can put it on the stick, but how do you put it on the airplane? So they had to figure that one out. The third thing is inverted flight and roll rate. So the, the placarded, you can only do one 360 aileron roll at a time. Um, you know, you can't do like four continuous because um, that's against NATOPS because you'll flame the airplane out. So they had to figure out a fuel pump system where you could fly inverted because some of their moves um, are Inverted for a long period, you know, upwards of 30 seconds a minute, they're inverted. So they had to solve that problem too. Um, and then there's just the handling characteristics. The wings are big on a Super Hornet. The fuselage is longer, as I said. Um, so as airplanes are in close proximity, the aerodynamics are a little different. Um, and the high alpha pass with the high angle of attack thing, very slow speed flight, that's a little different. So they're working all of this out. Um, and the word on the streets is the show is going to be even better, more amazing, but it'll be different. There's some moves that you can't do that you're doing now and other ones that you can't do now that they will do in the future. So um, we'll look to, and again, the the guy who's here um, at the Naval Academy was involved in this. And so we'll get some details from him as well if we can get him on the show in the future. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. So the bottom line is, uh, as we sit here now, although even as we talk, it's getting a little more cloud cover. But um, Blue Angels will be flying today. We always love it. We'll be on the terrace of Beach Hall uh, with uh, it's a staff celebration. Also, we have some guests coming in. So a great day here at Beach Hall. Um, and we're looking forward to that. Yeah, it turns out one of the best places to watch the show is right from the, from the, our headquarters. the terrace of our headquarters. So that's a nice uh, yeah. employee benefit. And yeah, absolutely. We're, a lot, we're all out there yesterday afternoon watching the, the practice show, which was great. Uh, yeah, as you said, never gets old watching the Blue Angels. Doesn't. And, so. and so today is uh, the real show. So we're looking forward to that. Um, okay, break, break. Now, Monday, 
um, was the Herndon climb. So this season, this spring has been, uh, there's been some sports controversies. Uh, you look at both legs of the Triple Crown so far have had a controversy, you know, at the Kentucky Derby, there was that protest that resulted in number two, you know, being the winner. And then last weekend at Preakness, the, one of the handlers held onto the bridle too long and the jockey was thrown off as soon as the gate opened. Um, and so you had a horseless or a riderless horse run and did a laudable job. <laughs> that horse is actually beating some of the field for most of the, the race. Uh, and then in the lacrosse semifinals, the one between Virginia and Maryland, Virginia took a shot that hit the crossbar and ricocheted, but was counted as a goal. So a lot of sports controversies this season. So if you've ever been to Herndon or if you watched the live stream that the Washington Post does or other, other outlets do, you know that it's kind of a spectator sport as well as just a, a sport. Um, so there's some so, controversy. Yep. Yeah, so Herndon, for our listeners who aren't Naval Academy grads, is uh, uh, it's a monument. looks like a, a miniature uh, Washington monument here on the yard of the academy. Uh, the, the plebes at the end of their plebe year have to climb it. They have to put uh, somebody basically at the top of the monument, take down a plebe cover, and put up a uh, an upperclassman's cover. Uh, normally, the, the plebe cover is duct taped and super glued to the top of the monument. It takes some real uh, heft to, to, you know, two hands on it, you know, pull in with all your might, get it down. And then and it, the, the monument is greased. It's covered with Crisco. It's yeah, you know, cake icing. It's it's awful. Yeah, it's awful. You know, and then back in the day, we also had a moat, a mud moat. I don't know if you guys had mud moat. I think it went away. I don't remember the moat. That was cool. Dangerous. Yeah. Right. I mean, people could die and drown. You know, I went face first in it after the initial surge and then I got, you know, we fell down and, and I started getting, you know, head over heels and, and it was, I almost like I had to whack against the guy's leg next to me to pull me up. Yeah. So, um, so, so that was not cool. And it also made it, the point is it made it much harder. Yeah. Right. So, you, so you're saying that the Herndon Monument is right up there with the Kentucky Derby. Uh, and, uh, it is. And I'm, the, I'm absolutely saying that. And NCAA lacrosse championship. Yes, that's exactly right. what I'm saying. Right. In so, fact, so I was Monday talking. Monday afternoon this happened. Yeah. So it happened uh, at uh, 1330 on Monday, right? And, yeah. and uh, to be exact. Um, so I wa- I'm walking up with a couple of our coworkers, uh, Carolina and Scotty from the membership team, who had never seen Herndon uh, in person. Um, and, and walking up, we run into Ted Carter, the superintendent. I'm like, doesn't look like there's a whole lot of cake icing or, or grease on the monument. He's like, no, no, they ensure me. Because literally, literally, you could see most of the, whatever it's made of, marble yeah, or granite. cement, granite. granite. Yeah. And and, uh, and there were like globules of the the. Yeah, the, yeah. Crisco. Yeah, they were throwing right. them on there when I came through the gate. At yeah, that's what it looked yeah. like. It had been thrown on there, right? <laughs> so you know, he's like, "No, no." The the youngsters who put it on there, you know, the sophomores yeah. uh, who are responsible for greasing the monuments, uh, assured me that there's as much as there's ever been. And you can see the Dixie cup on the top, yep. right? So you assume it's as you've said, glued on, yep. and maybe even cut into quarters, which they've done before, right? So you yank it off, and you don't have the whole cap. Yeah. You only got one quarter of it. But it's hard, you know, you can't, okay. So they they have the initial surge, like they always do, you know, and, and people are cheering. Yeah. And, and build, build a human pyramid yeah, to, and get, it's just, to get a guy it's, to the It's top. a struggle. It's right. a metaphor for the struggle right. of plebe year. But it's more a metaphor for humanity. I mean, it's like Renaissance stuff, right? So they're going up and people are, they're, they're hosing them down to keep everybody cooled off. So there's water and people are throwing t-shirts to wipe off the grease as they go up. And so there's a surge and you think they're going to get it. And then it would fall. So this is going on for a while. Right. And then suddenly at about the, I'm going to guess the 45 minute mark, 
somebody chucks a T-shirt at the very tip of the monument and knocks the, the Dixie cup off. Just like a, a, a clean shot, boom, knocks it off. Now, all right, now I'm going to sound like an angry old, uh, you know, old grad from, you know, not in my day, not, not when there was a real plea beer, but that could not have happened. I know for Precisely. my class because uh, I remember the the guy that took the Dixie cup off was on my shoulders. We were up at you know level three and four, and he was with both hands pulling on this thing so hard that when it finally came off with you know the the super glue and the duct tape and everything, that the whole pyramid collapsed. Right, we, we fell over backwards, which was what normally happens. Yes. Okay. So Roger that. So somebody just. Throws a fastball on target, boom, knocks it, it knocks off. Knocks it off. Massive cheer. So I'm like, huh. hold it, TV okay. timeout. <laughs> you know, I, I was looking to the soup. We need a ruling, right? I mean, that is that kosher. So, but there's just so much crowd enthusiasm. Right. I mean, you can't go, hold it, okay, stop. We're going to put another one up there. You, All these you, parents are there. Yeah, right? no. So right. it just, okay. So that happens. And so the other thing, just to back up, at the beginning, um, the soup said, okay, he, and he used these exact words. You have to place the Dixie cup on top, like right? The, the upper class cover. You, uh-huh. Yeah. You mean the upper class cover. You the, have the, to place Oh, it. yeah. I don't mean the Dixie. I mean the combo cover. Yes. Right. Yeah, you, you, cover. It has to be placed, right? Because I've seen in past years that they're playing a little bit of ring toss, yeah. right? And you're like, whoa, hold it. What are you doing? You, you, you know, if you if – you, like that's not that doesn't count. You got to physically be up there and yeah. place it with your hand. Right. Right. This is not the Annapolis County Fair. This is not the Annapolis <laughs> County Fair. Right. So they, in fact, did. The guy threw a three pointer. Yeah. You know, from literally ten feet away. Right. And if you watch, in fact, on your Facebook page, on Bill Bray's Facebook page, you have the video of it. Yeah. And the guy does a three pointer, misses a couple times, finally na- nails it. Hey, and so the, they just high fives. And what are Victory? you going to do at that point? Yeah, right. right. Okay, so this this kind of unlike the Kentucky Derby, no one could file an inquiry, right, and, and request that the uh, well, but the <laughs> the court of public opinion gets a vote, right? right? I mean, this is the beauty of Facebook and alumni association groups and all the informal, uh, you know, the graybeards and the angry old men that we are, right? So I just put it to my posse on Facebook. Without my own judgment, I said, "Okay, here's what happened." I I did your video, um, and I said, "Thoughts." So they basically fall into two camps. It turns out, one is the everybody's weak, worthless, and weak these days, right? Yeah. Gen Z, you know, next gen, yeah, so forth and so on. They this val- is just further yeah. further degradation of our warfighting capability. And then the others are like, "A kill's a kill," you know, mission accomplished. Innovation. Hat, Maybe they'll use drones next hat year. Down, hat up. Down, yeah, yeah. Use down, a drone, right? right? Just fly <laughs> a drone in, pull it off, drop it on. Ta-da, you know, whatever it takes, right? Innovation. So that was kind of a, a interesting. Again, my own opinion is I think you got to physically yank it off and physically place it on. That's I'm going to go. I'm with you. I'm, that, that's I, my. I will die on that hill. But, but I also have to blame the uh, the youngsters. So this is uh, class of 2021 that just finished yes. up uh, plebeier, right, or is finishing. So so class of 20. 
no, no, no. 2022. 2022. Yeah, 22 of the plebes. Right. So 21 should have done better to grease it better and glue it it on there. And glue it on there, right? And make it harder. Yes. So it's up to to the youngsters to cover that thing with Crisco and, and, you know, essentially set up the obstacles. And so some of our interns who are going to show up next Tuesday are from 21 and we'll have to give them grief. Lots of grief. That's the first thing. That is. First thing, before we even introduce ourselves. Yeah. Like, Like, what's up with the Herman thing? (laughs) Right. Hey, uh, I want to move off of Herndon for a minute and just cover something in in uh, in much more impressive news here uh, on the on the yard and from the brigade, uh, and also coming in the June issue of Proceedings. Uh, every year we have uh, sponsored by the class of 1945 the Earl Fannin uh, Award, uh, the Capstone Award. So midshipmen in their first class year after they've service selected uh, are asked to write an essay about their service selection of choice, right? So if you're a SWO, you write about surface warfare. If you're a, a Marine, you write about the Marine Corps, et cetera. Uh, so the the five winners, uh, Marines, submarines, aviation, SWO, and other, other being, you know, there's a, a handful of intel and cryptology and, and uh, medical officers and SEALs and that kind of thing in every class. Uh, so we got to present those awards. You and I did at yep. the uh, at the sailing Robert center. Crown saying, yep, sailing uh, center. on Friday. Um, we had met some of these um, the capstone winners at a, at a reception we hosted here a few weeks ago. One of them that we did not meet was the the gal who's chosen Marine Corps, uh, Maggie Dodds, midshipman first class, about to be second lieutenant. Uh, so after the uh, award ceremony, we give out you know the, the eight hundred dollar check and the certificate. Um, uh, we uh, I went up and met uh, Midshipman Dodds and having you know, a little chat with her. She's written this very articulate piece about the importance of for Marines of the, the classics and philosophy and psychology and understanding and, and being able to apply in, you know, morally apply violence in war, right? It's just this beautiful piece. It'll be in the June issue of, uh, of the magazine. Uh, so we're chatting and I said, so when will you be at uh, the basic school, right? So that's, you know, all Marines have to go from here down to TBS and we talk to the TBS classes. Yep. So, so I'm wondering, you know, is she going to be an Echo Company, Foxtrot Company? And, and she says, uh, no, sir, um, uh, it'll be 2021. I'm like, oh, okay, so you're going to grad school first. And she says, uh, yeah. And I said, well, where? And she goes, Oxford. And I said, oh, you know, because we've interviewed a couple of uh, Marshall scholars, right. right, who've been to Oxford. And so I said, I said uh, so you're going to be a, a Marshall Scholar? And she goes, uh, no, sir, uh, Rhodes Scholar. <laughs> Mic drop. Like, <laughs> wow. Just another yeah. mid in our lives. Right. Just another right? mid. Like this yeah. is the, you know, the, the caliber of Amazing. people that we get to meet here. Absolutely. Young people. Absolutely. You know, so for folks in our generation who sometimes wonder, you know, are, can we trust the future to right. – uh, I, <laughs> yeah. I would say it's gonna absolutely. Be fine. It's going to be fine, guys. Things are going to be Relax. okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyways, my, you know, hats off to Midshipman Dodds, uh, soon to be Second Lieutenant Dodds. And, and uh, I'm sure know, she'll be writing for proceedings I, as I, they seem to be self-selecting in I that hope way. So. I hope yeah, so. Yeah. So we'll see her again. Uh, so that was very cool. And then uh, I, I'd also give a shout off, out to uh, uh, Lieutenant Tony Kahansky, uh, Navy pilot, who's now flying for, I think, UPS, but he's a reservist, and he wrote for us a number of times in 2018 about aviation retention, about a number of issues related to personnel, but specifically about pilot retention in the Navy. 
And he was mentioned or his uh, one of his articles was mentioned and quoted yesterday in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, so there was an opinion piece yesterday uh, by a, a, a military spouse who was writing about the impact to spouse careers uh, on, you know, of uh, the uh, the military uh, detailing system and how quickly, you know, particularly if you're going to make rank in the Navy or any of the services, if you're if you're headed to command, you know, it's move often, move fast. Uh, every two or three years, you got a new assignment, and uh, the Navy traditionally has wanted people to be East Coast, West Coast, Hawaii, Japan, you know, Pentagon tour, etc., uh, which you know wreaks havoc on on a spouse who wants to have a career as well, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, so anyway, so so there was a great quote um, from uh, this gal, uh, Kate Batchelder Odell, uh, quoting from uh, Kohansky's piece in Proceedings. Uh, one Navy pilot unloaded about the service's retention problems in proceedings. The Naval Institute's magazine last year hit on something. Those in charge of making changes have often been those whose careers have proceeded smoothly. Uh, really good, good point. point, right? You know, yeah. so I mean, you don't stay in if your career is not proceeding smoothly. Right. right? You don't. You don't stay in if the yeah. detailer has, uh, you know, repeatedly sent you to assignments yeah. that the didn't help you. Process isn't right? working, or your wife is super or not happy. Right. The right. system is great. Look at me. Yeah. Well, that's her point. That's exactly how she puts it. Yeah. Right? Right. right. So that's a really so, – uh, so it's always good to get a mention in, in you know, for us in places like the Wall Street Journal. No yeah, doubt. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So yep. influencing hearts and minds in myriad ways. Uh, a couple things that are that are happening um, uh, with proceedings and with our online uh, – uh, you know, persona right now. Uh, so Paul Kingsbury's piece uh, on uh, make better use of the super chiefs, which is in the May issue of proceedings uh, is the most read uh, article that, you know, from the May issue so far, uh, like something like 13,000 page views. So it took off particularly at the start. I think uh, Paul was able to get it out on Facebook through his, uh, you know, chief and master chief um, mafia. Right. So that one is, uh, has really done well. Uh, and remind everybody that Paul's one of our co-hosts from right, time right, to time. Paul, He's been very busy on the road these days. Yeah, he's, he's a road at, warrior. Up at the Senior Enlisted Academy exactly, this week, exactly. uh, talking to the uh, the SEA. Uh, uh, and as as a result of you know Paul and a lot of authors' great content, um, our page view and our new website, which was launched at the end of February, uh, our page views are way up. So we're seeing significant growth in in page views and unique page views. Uh, this year over last year, you know, we're we like 30 percent. What was the stats? 30, 30 something percent yeah. higher than a year ago, which yeah. is just terrific. So thanks to our readers and uh, and thanks to our authors who are, you know, feeding that fire every, Absolutely. every single month. So if you like something, share it, you know, put it on an email chain, all that sort of thing. We very much appreciate those kinds of efforts. And that's been the difference as well as great content by your team, Bill. So fantastic results there. Uh, and I would also um uh, point out something that's coming. So last year in the May issue of 2018, we had a, a great piece of short fiction by August Cole, one of the co-authors of Ghost Fleet, the very famous, uh, you know, uh, futuristic novel that came out in 2015 about the future fight with China right in the Pacific. Uh, so and he was August, on the podcast. And he so was look, on the podcast. Look back at that's the, right. the, the archives to find yep. that, inter that interview if you didn't listen to it. It's a great conversation with August. And that piece of short fiction uh, in the in proceedings was uh, illustrated by an artist named Alex Brady, and uh, Alex has done some amazing work. Uh, and if, if I follow her on Twitter, and every single day she has cool, you know, sci-fi sort of uh, pictures, military stuff of the future. It's really amazing stuff that she that she creates, right? 
so we reached out to her again to ask her if she, we have a piece of, uh, of another piece of short fiction that we're going to publish probably in the August issue of Proceedings. It might be July, but we're, we're kind of slating it towards uh, August. Uh, we reached out to Alex again. She lives in uh, Great Britain and said, hey, we've got this story. We'd love to have you uh, illustrate it. Uh, so she sent us some initial concept drawings uh, early this morning uh, and uh, really, really very cool stuff. So if you liked Ghost Fleet last year, if you, I mean, if you liked uh, August Cole's piece in the May issue last year uh, and you liked the illustrations by Alex Brady, you're going to love what's coming probably in the August issue with this new piece of, uh, of short fiction by another author. Uh, first time author for proceedings. And, you know, we're not going to have fiction every month, but, you know, once or twice a year, love to have it, you know, sort of get people's think, you know, thinking going about, you know, sort of the future of warfare, or what this might look like in, you know, mid-century, 2030, 2040, 2050, uh, kind of cool stuff. Well, as with, since the beginning of the Naval Institute doing fiction, which was Hunt for Red October, when the Naval Institute does fiction in any form, uh, it merits attention. So this will be another in that uh that series. Um, Bill, what else you got? Billy Bray. Uh, uh, looking forward to uh, July's issue. looks uh, really good. I just want to point out that we have a great slate for July and a, a I think probably, I'm not sure, but looking at it uh, this morning, I think we have more women authors in the July issue than we've had in a single issue, certainly since I've been here. Um, a couple of JOs that have written for us in the past. So submarine officers, Andrea Howard and Phoebe Kotlikoff are in there. Andrea Howard's back. Yes. Oh, we yep. love her. She was a podcast guest as well. Yeah. One, one of those Marshall scholars. One of those Marshall scholars we were yeah. talking about. So we'll look for that. That's right. So I won't uh, list all the other names because I don't want to play spoiler alert here on the, uh, for the July issue, which isn't uh, even to this the printer yet. Um, but it's a, it's a good, it's, it's really a good thing to see. Awesome. Yeah. So summer's our busy time. As we mentioned next week, new batch of interns showing up. So uh, you'll be seeing them on the Facebook live feed for sure. If not the podcast itself, um, we actually have nine in the first block. That'll be a high water mark for us. So we're very excited about them showing up the day after Memorial day. And uh, it's, everything's looking great. Yeah. Agreed. So uh, that kind of runs us out of time for this week. Uh, next week we'll be back again. I'm looking forward to a five-day long long weekend up in uh, New Hampshire, Ooh. Lake Winnipesaukee on Golden Pond. Oh, that sounds yeah, that's idyllic. Where, that's where I'm headed. Yeah, yeah good yeah. for you. So uh, anyway, well, I'll be back in the office on Wednesday. We'll do a podcast again uh, probably next Thursday or Friday, lining up uh, guests for the next few weeks. Uh, we're going to have Barrett Tillman on at the beginning of June to talk about uh, an article about uh, D-Day and uh from naval history uh and uh we're also starting to plan right now for the, naval, the naval institute booth at, at tailhook Tail and hopefully barrett right. tillman can join us there yeah yeah so uh, if you're planning on going to tailhook we'll see you out there if you're not planning maybe this is a reason to go um but yeah we're very much looking forward to that and that is our aviation theme issue in september um so uh lots lots going on gonna, 50th anniversary of top gun that too and then we we're sort of synthesizing a special article on that very theme by a noteworthy Top Gun alum. Yep. Um, so don't want to spoil that. Don't want to jinx it. Right. Um, but yeah, cool stuff happening. Anyway. So thanks for joining us again this week, and we'll be back next week. And remember, victory begins at the Naval Institute. The Proceedings Podcast is brought to you by the Bell 407 GXI. 
Helicopter bringing advanced training technology, best value in life cycle sustainability to the next generation of naval aviators. See the Bell 407 GXI in action at bell.co slash Navy 407.